This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Welcome to 2024 and a new year of Talking Flutes with me, Claire Southworth, and John Paul Wright. Hello, John Paul. I've got a headache. I bet you have. It was a long night last night. New Year's Day today. Of all days to have to do a podcast. Yeah. Aren't you happy? No. Yeah, I'm happy to see you too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what it's like. I mean, it wasn't that much, but... (sighs) just late and the older one gets I'd like to be in bed early well I did go to bed early because I, I just don't want to stay up till midnight I mean you, you, I have to keep myself going until you see the fireworks and then go to sleep so I just go to bed early I can watch it on the news in the morning oh, that's the best way really uh, my, yeah my voice is a bit low I quite like that actually hello my name is Jean Paul I quite like the <laughs> I quite like the deep voice uh, well, it's a brand new year. year. A brand yeah. new year. Gosh. Well, I think we're going into our eighth. What podcast number are we? Let's have a look at my schedule here. We're 200. This is number 294. 294. 294. And we're wow. still going. I did, I did hear from somebody else that does a flute podcast that most people that make podcasts, if you get to number 20, you're in the top 1%. Wow. Gosh. 294. Yeah. Why are people still listening? Um, because it's very varied and we don't talk too much rubbish. I would have turned off months ago, <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I, I only listen to two podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts? I listen to two. Obviously, I don't listen to this one because I'm editing it, but I listen to Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett, and which is wonderful. He has guests on from around the world. And they are, it, it, for me, it's the best podcast anywhere. And I listened to another one, and the name has just completely gone. I had it in my head just a second ago. I, again, it's last night. I can't remember. <laughs> I dip it in and out. Uh, I, I don't listen regularly, but I do dip in and out of various podcasts. And so do our audience, because download numbers, because we, we only measure downloads, we don't measure streams because download is when you physically download them into your device. And depending on the, the concept, if I'm doing one of my little bite size, you know, that, that tanks every week. If, if you're doing one, as you did one with Liz Walker, which was a really, really good one and very, very pertinent. In fact, so pertinent that I actually put the whole podcast up on Facebook. So our audience dip in and dip out. Yeah, well, the, the podcasts I've done with, with Liz Walker have been really, they're so refreshing because it, it's funny, when you get to, to the level we're at, there's no competition between us. No. It's only about sharing and learning, still learning. So that, you know, Liz will say something and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't know that, oh, I've not, not tried that before, and, and vice versa. And it's that we can chat very easily about all things fluty. All, whether it's technique or various pieces, how we learn, how we teach, um, how we practice, how to improve, 
or it's just very, very easy. You know, we're quite happy to share data and analytics. And the week before I did something, I think it was on creative visualization because I do the small 10 minute bite size just to fill the chunks between our ones. And I think there was about 3000 downloads, which showed a sort of decline from my previous ones. And then Liz, I think I messaged you and said, I don't know what's gone on with this one. I think in the first week, we're looking at six and a half thousand downloads. Mm. So it shows people are dipping in. I've yet to know whether it is how I promote it or whether it's the guest or whether it is the, the chunk, what you say. I get it. Our audience do jump in and jump out. Yeah, well, I know from my own listening is that sometimes I don't have very much time, so I might dip in and not have time to finish it. Yes. Or have every intention to listen but don't get round to it. And then sometimes I just put it on as I'm doing things around the house and before I know it, I've listened to two or three. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think most people are sort of the same like that. They are, and we're still going. I don't know why. I don't know why. Can everybody stop listening then... We can see the data go down and uh, <laughs> I can retire gracefully back into my little shell. Claire, I think we put some things down, didn't we, about yeah. New Year? Because yeah. there is that old thing, New Year, New You. Mm-hmm. And I find the older one gets, the enthusiasm for New You tends to sort of dissipate, which is completely wrong because when my great-grandmother was 100... I think I've told you this story. Great, great or great? Yeah, great grandmother. This is a long time ago. I, my, I, one of my parents told me to go up and ask if she had any advice. And she said, well, if I'd known when I was 90, I had 10 more years, I would have done so many more things. Actually, if I'd known when I was 50, I had my whole life again, <laughs> then I really would have dedicated more time to doing things. Yeah. So... One of the subjects we've come up with is, is it okay to have plans and dreams for 2024? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm one of these that think, yeah, I used to dream a lot and not many of my dreams came to fruition. But looking back, were the dreams, were they in essence just a dream? Mm -hmm. Was it a realistic focus? Was was there any foundations on that? And I'm of this ilk now where... As I'm getting older, I don't dream, but I still like to think ahead. Yeah. Which is very slightly different. Yeah, I definitely think it's okay to have plans and dreams. Uh, But you need to not uh, only know what to do, but you have to then do it. So I think the most important factor in this is taking action. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That's the big thing, taking action. How many times have we made New Year resolutions only to have forgotten them just a few days later? That's normally what happens. So I like writing things down. I think to make a written plan and ask yourself, where are you now? Where do you want to be in a year's time? And I don't mean this for people who are seriously learning the flute and want to go and take it as a career. And this could be for, for anybody. Where are you now in terms of your playing? Where do you want to be in a year's time? So, for example, do you want to learn a particular piece or take an exam? What age your motivation? It's no good saying, I'll practice more, because it's just too vague. Mm. And you'll never do it. Yeah. So you've got to be specific. You've got to think about a big plan down to a small plan. So... If we said, okay, I want to do more practice, you then have to say, when, how, what, what are your targets, your time limit? You can break it down into much smaller bits. I think a great motivator 
is to listen. Could be to our podcast, JP. Could be, could be, I think you have to listen to a performance of, uh, of someone reputable every single week and then write a critique of that performance. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? It's such an incredibly good development activity where you listen and you're critical thinking. What is it that you like or don't like? What could be improved? What would you like more of? You know, who to listen to? William Bennett, Rampal, Galway, Gareth Davis, Dennis Borokov, Jacques Zone, Michael Cox, Paula Robeson, Wissam Bustari, Nesta Torres, Alexa Sill, Jasmine Choi, Tavs van Leer. There are, you can keep going. Mm-hmm. And you listen, and then you try and assess what it is you're listening to. It reminds me of, I introduced a listening class on my flute course at Waldingham, and we listened to so many performers without mentioning who they were and it freed up the opinions of everyone yeah. listening because they didn't know who they were talking about. So saying something was nice was not an option. Unless you had something useful to say, it was best not to sort of say it. So why do you like it? Was it the phrasing, the tone, articulation, the interpretation? And what didn't you like? All those same things. And I said it freed up their thinking because they didn't know who was playing. And then after we discussed it, we said, right, well, th- it was this person. And they'd go, oh, wow. And they had no idea. And it was people from, it was interesting, it could be played performances of someone from at the beginning of their career and then some, something from the same person at the end of their career. And you could hear how someone had changed over the years. So you'd say, actually, that's the same person. So, so are you looking almost like journaling, which I, I think journaling is fa- a fabulous thing for people to do anyway, which is, we, we've done a podcast on that before, which is yep. writing down each day your thoughts, what what you've achieved, what you've been unhappy with. And then once you've done that, it's, you can then turn the page and start the next day a brand new page. Mm. If you're writing your plan and chunking your plan into smaller units, what's the measurable on that? Because we all like measurables, don't we? Otherwise, that's why New Year's resolutions don't work. Yeah, well, that's, I, I think that's why you have to get very much into the, the small detail of it. And when I said it's like, say, I'm going to practice more, that means nothing. You've made your plan when? OK, so you, the measurable is, is you, you do something that's achievable. I'm going to practice. So if you're, if you're just playing for fun, I'm going to practice every Monday after school and every Saturday morning. If you're a student, you can say, I'm going to be practicing every day when I don't have lectures or classes or anything, that I'm going to do minimum of this per day and on this afternoon or this morning, I've got time off. So you be specific. And then it, it might be that you want to learn a particular piece or do an exam or do an audition. And you think about what's required for each of for whatever the, the project is that you've got, and then break that down. It might be one piece, it might be a collection of pieces. There, there are many, many variables. You know, it could just be the speed of a piece, that I'm doing this, learning this piece and it's at this speed, but it needs to be at, at this faster speed by this date, and I'm going to work it through. So by the end of this week, I'll be this fast, and the end of the next week, that fast. It could be very specific like that. Do you think that... the just that word dreams is is such a sort of pointless exercise because you're just putting something out there that is 
sometimes not even achievable. There is the measurable of getting to where you dream of being. Mm. No, I, I, I love having dreams. My dream was always to try and play in the LSO and then I pl- went and played in the LSO and it, it was so exciting to have achieved what had always been a dream. And I think it's good to have dreams because it, it keeps you working. So when, when does realism and a, a dream, where, where's the overlap? Where's that Venn diagram? Oh, that's so difficult, It JP. is. And it's so, so difficult. Because I hear so many people in life having these big, elaborate dreams. Yeah. And whilst I don't know they're not going to achieve it, mm. n- not everybody can hit these dreams. Otherwise, we'll yeah. be living in utopia. Yeah, well, my dream was at a point of time where I thought that that was going to be achievable. Sure. So it's, it's no good saying I'm going to be a, a solar recyclist when you haven't actually got the, the talent or the skill to, to become a professional. Maybe your dreams have got to adapt according to where you are in, in life. Yeah, it also then has to be tempered to not having a thought or a desire, but as you started this podcast with taking action. Yep. Because we all say, yeah, we've, I must practice more or I must do this or I have to do this. Mm. But how, this is why New Year's resolutions don't work, because we have to take action, and taking take action. action is the hardest thing to yeah. take. If we've got a problem with our sound or problem with something, taking action will be taking guidance from another. No, absolutely. I mean, most New Year resolutions you've forgotten about after a few days. We're being flute-specific here. Oh, absolutely. We're not being life-specific, we're being flute-specific. And all I'm saying is that because we, we work with our phones, we write things yeah. on our phones now and computers, whatever you've written down, check on it in the next, the next year. We could check on it every, every month if you like, but it's lovely if on the next New Year's Eve you look at your, uh-huh. your dreams or aspirations yeah. for the previous year and see whether you achieved them. And if you didn't, then you ask yourself, why didn't I achieve those dreams? Was I lazy? Did I not take action? Were they too ambitious? Were they not ambitious enough? And so you assess maybe each year. So targeting, you're, you're very much of the opinion that we should all start the new year as a new slate. I mean, we can do that yeah, any day absolutely. anyway, but it just, it just seems so mentally right in the 1st of January. New Year's refreshing. It's a new start. I always feel this. I hate New Year's Eve. Yeah. It's, for me, it's the worst day of the year. I hate it. But New Year's Day, because on New Year's Eve, I take down all my Christmas decorations. Yep. New Year's Day, so today, it's a new start. House is all clean. Have you noticed how clean it is? It is. <laughs> There's no sign <laughs> of There's anything. no sign of anything. It's, it's clean, it's fresh. I'm ready to, to get started. I get most of my best creative ideas in January. God, that's quite odd because January is such a cold, dark, wet yeah. month. But I, I get, I get thinking, and what can I do? Because otherwise, I, I get bored very easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to think what to do. What, what can I do? And I, I start think, try and think uh, as creatively as possible. And as long as you're being great, this is someone who told me this once. As long as you're being creative, that's all that matters. Yeah. Do you have a thought with an end? goal and then work backwards or do you think this is what I need to do and then not really know where you're going towards? I, I try and think of challenges especially now I think of a challenge that is going to be something that will push me mm-hmm. but I think that 
can be achievable. And in my, in my playing days, I had my year mapped out. And it, it, mapping out would be quite easy because you'd have to see what, what work did, did you have. So mm -hmm. it might be that you're about to start in January and you want something new for your students. So I always had a new plan for the students in New Year. I also did that in September, actually, the new academic year. And then I'd look and see what concerts have I got, what type of concerts. Is it, is it orchestral, chamber music, solo recital, concerto? And then I can work around that. So my timetable would be constructed around those needs. The bigger the occasion, the more time I had to give myself. And I would plan that. So some things could be put on the back burner and some things had to get going straight away. But I had a plan of the year and that's, for me, it worked. I, I like to be methodical. It was always my way. So instead of planning dreams, plan challenges. Yeah. Which is a, it's a very interesting play on words, that, isn't it? You're yeah. looking at challenges that you would like to solve or yeah. overcome. Yep. And then chunk that down because then that would give you for momentum to... Yep. Yep, dreams is a bit sort of wishy-washy, isn't it? Airy-fairy. Mm. Um, and they don't always they don't always come true. So it's it's being realistic, and but give yourself something that will push you. Maybe it's you've always wanted to go on a flute course and you've never had the, the nerve to do it. Maybe January is where you do some research into what courses there are, who's running them, who's teaching them, what's required, and then get the repertoire and start working at it so that you give yourself the confidence to go and book and go. Yeah. Did you ever find that if you ever hit a dream, that was such a letdown? Once you'd actually, obviously not playing with the LSO, but when I've, in the very few occasions where I've dreamt of something and I've actually achieved it, there was that, oh, there was this sort of, I wouldn't say it's an anticlimax, but it was, bearing in mind my dreams are nowhere near in the flute world, what the, 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 the flute players do, or even outside as, as, a, as an individual, because we all have different aspirations, yeah. don't we? I never found that, JP. As soon as I'd achieved what I'd hoped to, to do, I find it so exciting, and then I think of the next, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the only time it would be difficult. I mean, I did every competition going, and if you didn't get through a round, the first round, say... I'd spend a day feeling really upset and then the next day I'd get cross <laughs> and then I'd look for the next challenge Yeah. And, and then get starting again and then I'd be all excited again. See, I always found challenges once I've achieved something, a goal, I always found that really, I still find that really hard on the motivational level Yeah. to actually, because I've gone back on some of the things I've done in my life that have been very high standard. I've literally gone backwards when I've hit a goal ah. because I've just... Well, you know, it is... It's interesting, because you said with these podcasts you wanted to get to 200. I did. And now we're about to get to 300. Uh, yeah, that's because there's too many people listening and <laughs> please switch off. <laughs> listeners, he's not as miserable as he sounds. Uh, it's New Year's Day, it's horrible. It's horrible. You're in a good mood and I've got a headache. <laughs> so how to keep up practice motivation then? When okay. it becomes harder. So you're starting, so you will start today with, you know, you're full of beans, you're full of joy, start of a new year, turn the page, all that malarkey. Well, it, yeah, 
I mean, it's just what we've just been talking about. I mean, if you just go and listen to some fabulous flute players, yeah. that's motivation. That aids your, your practice. You go and listen to somebody wonderful. It doesn't have to be flute players, of course. You can go and listen to just wonderful musicians that, that make you want to get your flute out and play music. could be as simple as that. There's no musician that makes me want to get the flute out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to annoy the neighbours that much. <laughs> <laughs> I get the piccolo out occasionally with those magpies oh, in the garden. Really high F and high F sharp trills. Brilliant way to get rid of magpies. I'm sure. A really humane way. No, it's just, you know, when you're, you're practicing, you're motivating, things aren't really going your way. It's working your way through that. Yeah. Uh, but, so you know, that it, but sometimes it's maybe just simple as taking some time off, which can aid your motivation. Ah, Everybody you is different, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you can work too hard. I mean, I think that was, that was definitely my default, that I worked too hard. My first two years at college, I didn't go out. One night, didn't go out. I worked all the time. God, you're boring. You're at uni and you didn't go out for parties no. and drinks? Well, no, and... music college, it was different to uni. Oh, OK. Music college, you were there, it was a serious business. You shut yourself away in a room all day and you practised. There was so much to get through. And I, I was very much a perfectionist. I had to get things right, sure. which is wrong. But at that time, uh, it was sort of practice makes perfect, which, of course, it doesn't. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. But sometimes you can work too hard. And I said, you need to pl plan something, have a timetable. Certainly, if you're a, a flute major, a conservatoire level, plan your time off, treat it like any other job in terms of, of work, but also time off. And that will make you a much happier person rather than feeling guilty all the time that you've not done enough work. There's not many flute students I see that are genuinely happy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, whether it's just because it's the flute, but it's such a hard life to yeah. study an instrument. It is. You know, I, the, what's really important is the environment you're in. Yeah. Because I found over the many, many years from when being a student to teaching in these major establishments, Royal Northern College of Music, the Royal Academy, Cheatham School of Music, the Purcell School, um, that, um, and as a student and then as a, a professional, that the group of people around you, which is constantly changing, helps determine the mood around you. Yes. So if you've got a really positive group the energy is fantastic. So some years you think, I can't, I can't seem to get this group of students going. I can't, they seem to be a little bit low and, mm -hmm. you know, struggling all the time. And then a year later, the place is full of these, you know, really enthusiastic, happy, positive people. And you think, oh, the whole mood has changed. I think if you're in a group, if it's difficult to get them motivated and inspired, that's up to you. You take the action. You try and inspire them and change your attitude and hopefully it rubs off on someone else. Yeah, there's always some dementors around, aren't they? Those that drain energy. Drain energy, yeah. yeah. Don't be a drainer. No. Yeah. And on that, new year, new you, new flute playing, new, new thoughts, new desires, new challenges. When is the right time to change your teacher? <laughs> okay. That's such a vague question. It is a vague question. And, I always and, used to change teachers, sort of... Did you? Well, the answer totally depends on your circumstances. It does. 
how long you've been with your teacher. Is your teacher professionally trained? Are you progressing? Does your teacher have students that have been successful or not? Are your lessons varied or are they always the same? Are you learning new information? Do you have a good mix of technique and repertoire? Do you get on? Are you encouraged to interact? Um, and it, I mean, there are, we're talking about there are so many variables here, aren't there? Changing your teacher regularly is not an answer to you being successful. And I think that's why a lot of students change regularly, because mm -hmm. they think they're going to get a different scenario and that they'll suddenly become much more successful. Sometimes you see biographies of, of players that list zillions of teachers. If I make a really big generalisation here, bigger the list of teachers, the more boring the player is. Yeah, OK. That's a big generalisation. But you need a few years to develop your own identity. It's not your teacher's identity, it's your identity, but a teacher gives you that opportunity to develop your own style. And you get a chance to understand their sort of philosophy. And then after a few years, maybe you're in a better place to make a decision as whether you should move. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the top flute players around, their list of teachers is really quite small. Quite small, yeah. But it's also to do with understanding that your teacher is not there to be your friend, your teacher is there to guide. And guiding someone is not necessarily a very pleasant, and I mean pleasant as in it's not all rainbows and roses. Sometimes it's hard talking. Sometimes there is, it's not easy to get the vibe that the teacher's trying to get over to you, but they're doing it for the right reasons. The reason why I used to swap teachers quite regularly is that I didn't like sometimes the truth that was being told. Mm. And I've, I've had students in the past who haven't liked the, the reality of where they're at or, or the fact they might not make it or they're not doing things in the, in the sort of the right way. And they find it very difficult to take criticism. And, and I always tried to be constructive in the criticism. Because the thing is, what is the point then if they don't, if they don't know... What's the point of them coming to you? I'm talking really now about the high end now at the conservatoire level. These are people who want to be high achievers. They want to get jobs. And it's my, my job is to help them get a job, is to help them be employable. So if there's a certain aspect of their playing that is, really needs work, I can't just dress it up. You have to say, look, your technique's not strong enough. It's not going to get you into the profession. You need to work at it much harder mm -hmm. because technique can be learnt. It could be a, a particular area of technique, like it could be articulation. And you say, you know, you listen to people around you. You've got work to do. You've got catching up to do. Go and listen to, you know, X, Y, Z and, and try and learn from them and try and see where it is you need to be. So you have to be... It's, it's sort of hard truths... So as a teacher, you have to be willing to have the difficult conversations. In all then, you can say, you know, well done, that's fantastic. You've worked really hard. You've really improved. Catch up. I think every student or every person in their musical career will have catch up because sometimes you're very aware that you're, you have an ability in a certain area. You have weaknesses in the other. If you spend all the time on the weaknesses, then you'll lose on the, the good side. When is catch up... Or how easy is catching up in certain areas without losing from the areas that you're actually good at? 
So it is putting your resources into your the challenging parts mm. and making sure you don't lose well, well, on a professional level it's in terms of I'm talking about music students yeah you've got all the time in the world you've got you've got hours every day so you can afford to spend the time on your weaker areas and still working at your better areas and you you will catch up you might not be as aware of your improvement as your teacher yeah and that's it's because it's difficult to be objective when it's yourself you can't be objective or it's very difficult to be objective. But in that scenario, you put in the hours and you improve. But, you know, we never stop learning. The best musicians are the humble ones who say, I'm always learning. When I was teaching, I always learned from my students. <laughs> I thought that was, that's one of the best things about teaching, that you, you learn something, something new every time. And it's the areas of weaknesses that certain teachers will highlight, which sometimes can be quite brutal, but it's the way that it is passed over. If it's passed over in a way that doesn't work for you, mm. then that, I believe that's the time to move on because obviously there's a breakdown in the communication styles between yeah. them both or you're not listening. Yeah, if you don't trust what your teacher's saying, then there's something really gone amiss. You, you need to trust what they say and what they want you to do and then you can only gauge it with the success you have as a result of that but if you feel you're not achieving you're not improving as much as you feel you ought to and you've given it a, a really good go talk to your teacher you know say that you, you don't feel that, that things are improving as, as as it should and see what they say but then maybe it's time to maybe go and have consultation lessons and see if someone puts information across in a, different, in a way that appeals to you more. I mean, we know there are different styles of playing and different styles of teaching. And sometimes you can have teachers who've learnt through a particular style. Say it's the, uh, the French flute school, so Moyes, Gilbert, Bennett, Galway. If you've come through that route, if you've got teachers that have, have learnt from those people who are teaching in that style, they could all say the same thing but differently. Yeah. And one, it gets through to you, and one, it doesn't. So it might be a case of, of that, that you have to uh, seek out the teacher that can communicate with you better. So I think that answers the question, really. And it's, it's not great, really, that you know your challenges, but... In any other, or well, many other aspects of life, if you're putting a lot of work in, you will see the, the rewards of that work. But as a musician, that reward is only measured by your teacher actually noticing the improvement, mm. not necessarily yourself. Mm. You know when, you, when you, you change somebody's embouchure slightly and the player goes backwards? For that player, that's horrible. Yeah. But the teacher can begin to hear the difference immediately, even though the player can't, mm. and then the development's quite quickly afterwards. But the player yeah. still thinks it's unnatural and horrible. Mm. You know, I wish there was lots of money within the music business, the music industry, where you could be like the top sportsmen, sports people, I yeah. where you have a team that yeah. help you. So you've got the you've got the the sort of the the the, uh, the actual practical teacher the the technique, 
You've got the psychologist, you've got the, 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 the physio, you've got the nutritionist, you've got the various people around you that help you achieve the best. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be really interesting how that would play out in someone that is naturally gifted, that the only thing they had to be concerned about was being in the moment on that stage or in front of that microphone playing. They didn't have to think of anything Anything else. else. Wouldn't that be wonderful? thing is, there's no money in music, whereas in, in sport there's so much money. You know, so it's, this is, you know, it's, it's, this is a dream. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice, though? It would. I think, the, I think the most important thing is I think musicians would need psychologists to help them because it's hard not to be emotionally yeah. affected every day of your yeah. life from the and first you moment you pick that instrument up. Psychologists need a manager. You need someone who's going to actually do all the, the legwork in terms of getting you known and contacts and getting you work because that's what... We have to be everything. These, <laughs> you know, that's... That's a musician's life. You've got to be your own manager, your own trainer, your own teacher, often if you've left college and not having lessons anymore. You know, in another world. In another world. But it's not. It's January the 1st and you have a whole world in front of you, don't you? You have a whole, a whole year in which to write down your challenges and to assess those challenges, put realistic assessments, but most importantly... As you start this podcast, Claire, take action. Yeah, I'd love to hear from listeners about what goals they've got and maybe what action they've taken and let us know how it's going. Well, my goal this year is to... Well, my goal in the next couple of minutes is to have a coffee because my head is going absolutely crackers. (laughs) My goal this year is... Do you know, I haven't set one. How weird, I haven't even thought about a goal. Perhaps it's because I'm... I'm an old fuddy-duddy, you know, bar humbug. New Year's resolutions, they okay. don't work. No time like the present, Jim. There is no time like the present. You've got to say it like a London chimney sweep, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to say it like that. There's no time like the present. The thing is, you've got to do something that makes you happy. Ah, now nah, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? And we're deviating off because... We are deviating off. Because but... being a flute player, how often does it make you happy? <laughs> All the time, JP. All the time. No, not me. It doesn't matter if you're if you you just play for fun or it's your it's your work. You know, it's such a, a wonderful instrument. There's so much good about it. It's it's fabulous. So enjoy, listeners. Enjoy playing. Enjoy your time playing, and give yourself lots of challenges and enjoy the journey. And don't listen to me. No, don't listen to you. I'm doom and gloom, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> and lots of. Self-praise, this is really hard. When you do make improvements yeah. or you have a nice or a productive practice session or a productive lesson, don't Reward just sort yourself. of push it away, yeah. Reward yourself, you know, it's with whatever that might, something actual, phys- a physical reward or, or, or a mental reward, doesn't matter, but reward yourself for, for all your efforts. There you go. And on that note, yes. welcome to 2024. And how many more podcasts can we get through, JP? Oh, God knows. Gosh. Oh, we're going to get to 300, ain't we? Because that's in a few weeks' time, like, know what I mean? <laughs> Do we have to go somewhere away again? Do, I, do you know, I don't know why I'm speaking. I, I don't know why I've got my London chimney sweep. You've got an accent on, no. No. But, yeah, I think it's probably time for a giveaway if we reach 300. Gosh. 
300 podcasts, that's a lot. That's, how many, that's a lot of hours, isn't it? It's probably about 230 hours in total. Yeah, it's a long time. It is. And you're the only... You always know when it's your podcast because the numbers go up. When it's mine, they tank. I'm sure that's not true. They tank. Perhaps I should do one like this. Hello. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. No, no one would listen. But we're open to, open to all ideas, so people, please write in on all our normal channels. Yeah, I mean... But, and let's not underplay it. We've been going doing this nearly seven years. That's a lot of podcasts, a lot of subject matter. And I promise, actually, one of my goals this year will be to archive everything properly and make it so that people can listen to earlier podcasts much easier than scrolling down. They can find them easily. Yeah. So I do have a goal. Good. Because we were the first podcast, Flute Podcast, and I think let's make sure that in 10, 20 years' time... Uh, when I'm pushing up daisies, that this material is still out there. Actually, I won't be pushing up daisies. I'll only be... I hope not, JP. God, the world would be a much happier place, wouldn't it? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right, Claire, lovely. Thanks for inviting me down. And uh, I just want to go back and go back to bed now and enjoy <laughs> a, day, a bank holiday. <laughs> bank holiday Monday, knowing full when I'm back at work tomorrow. I'm, I'm full of the joys of the new year and I wish the same for all our listeners and look forward to chatting to you next time Jack, so annoying you're in a good mood I'm normally in a good mood it's just today bye everybody Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.